Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide, episode 437. This is the podcast that keeps you updated and always educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. My name is Stephen Fennec and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, which 5G network is the fastest and which has wider coverage? Optus and Telstra battle it out. Will we see an Apple car? and why Ford has partnered with Google. And the South Sydney Rugby League Club has launched Rabbitohs Plus to offer fans cheaper mobile plans as well as other services. In the Tech Guide reviews, we get behind the wheel of the MG ZS electric vehicle. Realme has released a 5G smartphone for under 500 bucks and the Eco Extreme device that's both a Bluetooth speaker and a secure place to store your belongings. And we'll answer all of your tech questions in the Tech Guide Help Desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Well, 5G is something we've been talking about for a while. It's been a couple of years now since both Telstra and Optus have started their 5G rollout and both respective rollouts, both from Telstra and Optus, are well underway. Uh, In fact, we've reached a point now where Telstra announced that one in two Australians can access the 5G network, and by June, that figure will go up to three in four, so 75% of Australians being able to access a 5G network. And 5G devices, there are no shortage. The recent Samsung Galaxy S21 range, there were no 4G variants. They were all 5G, and I think even from the launch of the iPhone 12, which was their first 5G device, I think it's something that we're going to get used to. Most of the devices, I think, from now on that you see, I think, priced over $500 or $700 are going to be 5G devices. And that's with good reason. The timing is good because the networks are getting better. The networks are getting faster. The networks are getting wider coverage has really grown. Now, there's been an interesting report, the system, the Systemics Benchmarking Report, uh, which was done back in December 2020. This was put together after driving more than 1,600 combined kilometres in Sydney and Melbourne metro areas, so in, in the main parts of Sydney and Melbourne. They drove around with a Samsung Galaxy S20 5G smartphone. Now, this was this test was done to find out the average speeds of the network, the coverage of the networks as well, download speed, upload speeds also. So they hit the road, literally hit the road with a phone, the Samsung Galaxy S20, the 5G device, 
And they wanted to see reception, they wanted to see speeds, they wanted to see average speeds, uploads, downloads, and everything else in between. And the results, I have to say, are quite interesting. Now, the Telstra 5G network, so the Telstra 5G reception was seen, so with this phone, they saw they were in range of 5G Telstra coverage 78% of the time. So in 78% of the tests they did on this road trip in either of the cities, 78% of the time, Telstra offered them 5G coverage. Now in comparison, Optus 5G was found 48% of the time. So coverage-wise, so footprint of 5G, Telstra was obviously much better. 78% of the time, they found a Telstra 5G signal. 48% of the time, it was an Optus 5G signal. So they, the respective networks, 78% to Telstra, 48% to Optus. Vodafone, who had a late start to 5G because of their court battles with, to, with their TPG merger, 5G coverage was only seen in 6% of the tests. So they're they're playing catch up, but they're, they're actually they're progressing pretty quickly. Now, when it comes to speed, who do you think had the title here? Well, surprisingly, Optus took the title here, and not only did they have the fastest average download speed, but they also had the highest single test speed as well. So the the average speed the fastest average download speed they found to be 362 megabits per second. Now, that's on average. So of all the speeds they had, they added them all up, divided it by the number of tests, and 362 megabits per second was the fastest average download speed. Now, the highest single test, so the, the fastest speed, the highest speed they got in one location was 1,000 431 megabits per second, or 1.4 gigabits per second. Now, in comparison, Telstra's 5G speeds were 295 megabits per second on average. That's compared to 362 on average if you're on the Optus 5G network. And the highest single download speed they found in this Telstra on the Telstra network on this road trip was 904 megabits per second, well below the best Optus speed that found at 1,431 megabits per second, or 1.4 gigabits per second. Really interesting stats there, I think. Telstra, no doubt, with their footprint, I think they got they got started a tad early, a little bit earlier than Optus, and have widened the network dramatically. As I said earlier, they say that by June this year, 75% of the Australian population will be able to access their 5G network. But it's interesting how Optus has responded to this as well. Matt Williams, who's the Optus Managing Director for Marketing and Revenue, he came out with a quote saying, you can't claim to have Australia's best 5G network if it's not the fastest. I'm quoting him here. At Optus, we already know we are working hard to build Australia's fastest 5G, and this week, two 5G benchmark tests have clearly shown Optus is out in front, smashing 5G mobile download speeds in Sydney and Melbourne. He has a point. 
Telstra uh, often say they've got the the best network, and Optus has shown them up here in terms of speed. So you got to remember, five G isn't just about download speed. 5G is about capacity. 5G is about low latency. So yes, speed is probably the easiest thing to test and to show, but there are other parts of the network. Reliability is another thing that that is that, that needs to be taken into consideration. So yes, speed is important and the flashiest thing to, to show uh, to show customers, but all of those other all of those other aspects also make up the picture so it's not just not just about speeds although having faster speeds is pretty handy when you do have them now on my report on tech guide i've actually taken snapshots of the drive route that was covered in both sydney and melbourne so you see the areas of the cities where they drove around trying to look for 5g signals and doing the speed tests uh, around both of the cities both in sydney and melbourne as i said mainly in the metro areas of sydney and melbourne so the two the two cities with the biggest 5g footprints both from optus and telstra i find it really interesting that telstra i was really surprised to see that it didn't surprise me that they had the wider coverage but it really did surprise me that on average their speeds weren't quite up there with with what Optus is offering. But again, really depends on where you are, can even depend on the device you're using. Uh, Lots of things can, can affect that, the time of day, so many different factors come into play. But when you when this is reported as on average, so there's many readings, many tests taken, and on average, then it's hard to argue against. So really interesting uh, stats here. This 5G battle is going to continue. Don't forget, Vodafone is also uh, bringing up the rear as well. So they're, they're really moving fast on their 5G coverage as well. So uh, you Vodafone customers, don't be discouraged. You are going to get a lot more 5G. If you want to read that complete report, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Now, we know Apple very well as a company that makes iPhones and iPads and iMacs and MacBooks. But can you picture them as a car company? The Apple car rumours just will not go away. They've been around for years. and I'm talking several years that they've been talking about Apple working on a car. Then they've... I've read various reports of them hiring people from other car companies and and doing all these other things, and the rumours have just persisted over the years. Now, the rumours were fueled even further, pun intended, with the news of all the, the another rumour really that they were about to sign a deal with Hyundai, and actually Hyundai and Kia, both South Korean car companies, are actually. Uh, a part of the same motor group, so that they are actually sister companies. So Hyundai and Kia actually are under the same uh, company umbrella. So the the deal that they're making is with with mainly Hyundai, but also Kia's involved. So this is Bloomberg that reported this partnership that will see Apple making a one a, a US dollar three point six billion US dollar investment in Hyundai, and. This has just further fueled those rumours because Apple don't make cars. They don't have a car factory. So for them to actually have a vehicle, they need to have a motor partner. Just like a car company can't really advance the innovation and tech in their cars without having a tech partner. 
So it's kind of a uh, this this relationship that there's, that's being formed. We'll talk about Ford and Google in a moment, but in in Apple's case, their involvement in this project is obviously something that no, no one knows officially. All we have are rumors. So the the involvement here is to say, well, judging by this partnership. They're not going to actually build the car, but it's a pretty safe bet to, to, to say that they are going to be looking after the software backbone of the car, the innovation technology and connectivity of the car. So they can, you can just imagine a, a time when this car rolls off the production line. They're saying it won't be before 2024. It, it could be as late as 2026 and even even later. They're saying, the reports are suggesting that the car that will be produced will be fully autonomous and fully electric. So having a company like Apple involved for to produce a car that's fully autonomous will really move this whole thing forward. Tesla is already well down the road with their with with autonomous driving their their full full FSD full self-driving capabilities are already being tested some some customers are able to use their cars in in uh, to drive themselves Tesla cars to drive themselves in far more different far more situations than just than just freeway driving so they're really sort of kicking that can down the road as well and Apple again with with their innovation and God knows what they're working on they're not they're not the sort of company that tells you about their technology and innovation unless it's ready to be sold. So you can just imagine the, the minds at work that are that are working on this project to bring to bring to customers and the just the expansion of their ecosystem. So we've already got iPhone OS or iOS, we've already got iPad OS, Mac OS, Watch OS, TV OS. You can then safely add car OS to that as well because Apple CarPlay has been very successful, very popular, and this is just going to be Apple CarPlay on steroids because it's it's going to be a case of that expanded ecosystem, the capabilities of the system, the connectivity of the system, and you can just imagine a scenario where it'll be it'll be nothing for a, a customer to walk up to their car, their iPhone's in their pocket, it comes within proximity of the car, it'll unlock the car like their key would. Their Apple Watch will be able to perform another function. So it's just another addition to that widening Apple ecosystem. And two, access to Apple services. So you can just imagine Apple Music, uh, Apple TV, all the all these services that they can sell you as well will no doubt be a part of that as well. And Apple TV, uh, Tesla does, does this already. I can watch Netflix while I'm charging my car. So you can just imagine with this fully autonomous electric car, you can turn on Apple TV in this massive screen in the center of the car on the console and kick back with the latest Apple TV Plus program, the stream, stream it while your car's being charged. So that, that's we've still got a few years to wait before we see the car. Will it be badged with an Apple logo? Again, really hard to say. I don't think it will be. I think it'll be powered by Apple rather than being an Apple car. So that, that's yet to be seen. But in terms of uh, Ford and Google, they also announced a partnership so that by 2023, 
this this project or this collaborative group called Team Upshift will begin working on new user experiences, uh, everything from in-car driving applications to even new retail experiences. So even in the showroom, there'll be new experiences as well. Ford has already announced that Google Cloud will be its preferred cloud provider. Uh, and that'll also they'll also tap into Google's expertise in data, artificial intelligence, and machine learning. But it's a safe it's safe to say that from 2023, the Ford vehicles will be running the Android operating system as their as their software backbone. And that's not to say that a Ford car won't be able to run Apple CarPlay. That that's not the case. That'll still happen. But Android will be the driving the driving f- software behind the vehicle as well. So you can just imagine in a few years' time being able to access more Google apps, uh, more the Google Assistant. So you can basically control the whole car with your voice. Google Maps, of course, Google Play if you want to access music and other content. So there's that aspect of their Google partnership that is also uh, up up there as well for them for drivers to consider as well and. Um, by 2023, which is only a couple of years away, we're going to start seeing the first vehicles that are going to be the result of this partnership. Exciting how car companies and tech companies are partnering up. There uh, and, and many other companies have done it. LG, Microsoft have, have also formed alliances with companies. I think Microsoft, I think they had a relationship with Ford as well. LG, they're, they're all, they're all. I think LG was with Volkswagen from memory. So all, all of these car companies are partnering up with these tech companies to to look work on autonomous driving, just the whole telematics of the car, the software of the car, the connectivity of the car. So uh, in a few years' time, they're all going to be uh, a lot more, a lot with a lot more tech on board, a lot more innovation on board than they are now. There's already a lot now, and it's a factor that people take into account. Customers look at the tech in the car, and that's of that, that that's part of their buying decision is how how they like the level of technology in the car. So you can just imagine in three, four, five years' time, that's only going to increase. If you want to read more about the Apple Car or the rumored Apple Car and the Ford and Google partnership, that's been confirmed. You can check it out at techguide.com.au. Well, I thought I would talk about the mighty South Sydney Rabbitohs. I don't mention them very often on uh, on the podcast. They are my old team. I am an old Rabbitoh. We did play for the, the the mighty Red and Greens back in the day. Uh, but what they've done, they've launched an interesting new service. And Souths have always been a club that have had more members than any other club. They've, they've always been very well supported, very loyal members. We're talking more than 30,000 members sign up every year. And Souths always having the highest number of members every year as well, me included. I'm, I'm a member also. And what the club's done, they've launched this brand new initiative to give fans a chance to purchase cheaper mobile plans, credit cards, insurance, loans. So they're basically, it's like a co-op situation where they're providing this extra value to the members. So to the companies involved, and some of them are related already linked to the club in terms of sponsorship, but it's also an opportunity for, for the club to bring literally tens of thousands of customers to a company's doorstep. So when you're talking about SIM card plans, insurance, credit cards, home loans, personal loans, car loans, travel bookings, 
the, the a large group of people has a lot of bu- a lot of buying power. So uh, I think that's uh, that's kind of the idea here. Ra- the Rabbitohs Plus was not only to design to give the club members a bit more value on their their typical everyday items. Everyone needs insurance. Everyone needs a mobile plan. Everyone needs a credit card, loans, travel bookings. Again, that'll resume shortly. So it's these are the everyday things you do anyway. So why not get a better deal? So South Souths have done a really good job setting this up, and at the same time, of course, these you, the members are receiving these highly competitive rates on their purchases, but a portion of that spend is still going back into the club. So it's funding community programs and reinvested into the South Sydney Rabbitohs football program as well. So everyone's a winner. The the club, the customer, they receive these good deals, and the the Rabbitohs plus there's five main products that they're offering. The first is their credit card, the Rabbitohs Credit Card by Community First Credit Union, Rabbitohs Home Personal and Car Loans by Community First Credit Union, Rabbitohs Home Contents and Car Insurance by Ad Insurance, and Rabbitohs Mobile. That's what hooked me. So this is that's called giving me my excuse as a the tech hook for this story by MeSIM, which is powered by the Telstra network, and Rabbitohs Travel and Holidays with What If, which is actually a travel partner of the Rabbitohs already. Uh, and in terms of, let's start with the Rabbitohs Mobile. That is powered by the 4G LTE network. There, It's not, not 5G, 4G coverage through MeSIM. Uh, and the plan started $14 a month. And for that, you get three gigabytes of data, unlimited calls, unlimited texts. And then it moves up to 25 bucks for 15 gig, 35 bucks for 30 gig, 59 bucks for 60 gig, and 69 bucks for 100 gigabytes, which is pretty good value. Now, the plans that are priced from $25 and above also have unlimited calls to up to 15 countries as well. So a lot of value there. Uh, with the credit card, uh, the the card not only has the, the Rabbitohs uh, emblem on it, but also has a low annual fee of 48 bucks and a low ongoing interest rate of 9.25%. Uh, Community First Credit Union will provide the loans for Rabbitohs Plus. So if you're after a home loan, uh, their interest rates are below 2% per annum. uh, And they also offer competitive personal and car loans as well. What If is the Rabbitohs sponsor and travel partner. And they're offering travel bookings with an extra 15% off selected hotels. But, and this is important in this time of COVID, fully refundable bookings so you can book with confidence if something happens fully refundable booking so you're not left posted if the board is shut or anything like that you'll get your money back so uh, this is a really good idea and look this isn't the first time a club's done this I know Collingwood AFL Club also offer their members some discounts through uh, their sponsors as well a lot of American football teams also have the same thing so it's it's not the first time it's been done but the fact that a club like Souths, one of the foundation clubs, one of the most famous rugby league teams, one of the most famous teams in the world, I've got to say, and that's that's not being biased saying that. Uh, the Rabbitohs, the fact that they've done this, I think, is a pretty good sign. And I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if other clubs follow suit as well. This is a pretty good pretty good deal for both sides. So the the, the companies involved, the, the members get a good deal, fans get a good deal. And you don't have to be a member, by the way. If, if you're just a fan or if you just want a good rate and you don't mind having the Souths logos on your credit 
credit card and everything else, then it's worth it's worth a look as well. So some good deals to be had there. I'll put everything down on my story on Tech Guide if you want to check that out as well. So Rabbitohs Plus, uh, get on board. The mighty South Sydney Rabbitohs offering their members some pretty good deals there, both uh, so not, not only just on mobile plans but also other services, phone, credit cards, insurance, loans, travel bookings, you name it, Rabbitohs Plus will look after you there. If you want to read more about that, check it out, techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Is your Wi-Fi struggling to keep up with your streaming, work, gaming, video calling and more? And what happens if you're doing all of that at once? When you're connected to your world by Wi-Fi, be sure it's the best. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with Orbi Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6 is the best and latest in Wi-Fi. It covers your entire home with the fastest Wi-Fi for uninterrupted streaming, video calling and working and learning from home on more devices than ever before in any part of the house. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Are you ready for the best Wi-Fi ever? Find out more at netgear.com.au slash best Wi-Fi. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. There's a lot of themes around the show today, cars and tech companies, uh, electric cars, and in a moment we're going to talk about a 5G device as well. We've already spoken about 5G with Optus and Telstra. We've already spoken about an Apple car, Ford and Google. We're going to continue with, along that road uh, with the MG ZS EV, the electric vehicle that I had the uh, opportunity to get behind the wheel and drive for a week. Um, this was an enjoyable drive, and as you know, I'm already an electric car driver, so I'm going to be talking about this in terms of its comparison to a Tesla, but also, it's also I'm going to talk about it in terms of customers who are new to, to electric cars. So you're kind of getting two reviews in one here. Uh, the MG ZS EV is a compact SUV, has a driveaway price of 43990 bucks, and right off the bat, that is sort of within the ballpark of customers who are considering an electric car. The thing that's been against customers moving away from a regular fuel-powered car is the price. Uh, the the uh, the Teslas are expensive. The, the electric car, that was kind of the only electric car you could get into, and it, it's way more expensive. So it's a cost prohibitive to anyone who's thinking of, look, I want to convert to an electric car, and then, well, I can't really afford to. That here is a vehicle priced at an at an affordable an affordable price, backed by an eight year one hundred and sixty thousand kilometer battery warranty as well, five year unlimited kilometer warranty, plus five years of roadside assistance. So, you buy this car, you're not going to be left posted anywhere. You, you're going to have plenty of backing, plenty of coverage, a lot of warranty to fall back on here. So I think it's it's a it's a customers can really make the switch with confidence because uh, it is a very well-built car, really solidly, nicely designed. And what I like about it is that unlike a Tesla, it's not a big jump. If, if like I, I gave the keys to my wife and she got in the car, hit the start button and was driving it just like a regular car. There's nothing new to learn. Tesla's a little bit of a learning curve in terms of there's no start button. You just press the brake and it's on and you get out of the car. You don't have to stop anything. And so it, it is it is 
a little bit of a different experience getting behind the wheel of a Tesla rather than getting behind the wheel of the MG. So in terms of that customer who wants to make the transition, the only difference they're going to they're going to know they're going to see is they don't have to go to a petrol station anymore, uh, and also it's not as loud as their other car because it's electric motor on board. Uh, so in terms of the experience, it's basically the same. You just got to instead of pouring fuel into a, into it, you got to actually just plug it in. That that's what I like about it. Now a little bit about the MG Motor Company. They, they, they've been around for quite a while, uh, and and MG by the way stands for Morris Garage. So I, I never knew that till I did the research for this story. So um, they've been around for a while. They were well, quite a prestigious British brand, so a British sports car manufacturer. That that's kind of how they they came to fame uh, by designing these really cool little sports cars. And they were mainly those open two-seater sports cars, you know, the convertibles, they were the little coupes, they were pretty cool little cars. Uh, but over the years, uh, they merged with, I think, British Leyland, and the, they were then part of the Rover Group. But in 2007, they were purchased by the Nanjing Automobile Group, which is a Chinese company. So MG production restarted in China back in 2007. Uh, they produced their first model under that ownership uh, back in 2011. So what the company's done now, the Nanjing Automobile Group thought that MG would be a great great marquee, a great badge to offer as an electric car. Because um, there are a lot of already a lot of Chinese car companies. Uh, a lot of a lot of them are electric as well. I think they wanted to give the customer a brand that wasn't so obviously Chinese. And MG is, is not that. Uh, there are others like Great Wall and, and all these other brands that are obviously Chinese and customers maybe don't want a Chinese vehicle. They prefer to drive a car that's not associated with China. I don't know. Customers are different. Customers are funny. They have their preferences. So I, I thought it, it, it's a good, it's a, it was a good idea to offer MG as an electric alternative. Uh, so it, it's an attractive brand. And it, it's it's designed to be attractive to younger drivers as well. The colours are really cool. Like the colour that I had was a, like a light bluish colour. So it was pretty, pretty impressive. But in terms of the experience, the drive, really smooth. It doesn't have the same get up and go as a Tesla. Like the Tesla's notoriously fast off the mark. Like you, I just touch my accelerator and I pin you back in your seat and we're going 100 kilometers an hour in a couple of seconds. This is not that. The MG ZS does not offer that. It is great, very admirable, impressive performance, but it's not, it's not like that overpowered, hyped, Tesla performance. It's still reliable, still offers great great uh, range as well. I think the range was about, I think, 263 kilometres, I think, was the, was the range. There's a 44.5 kilowatt battery on board. Uh, goes Look, it's still pretty impressive. Goes 0 to 60, uh, 60 kilometres an hour, 0 to 60 k's in 3.1 seconds, which is pretty good. Like a Tesla goes 0 to 100 in like two seconds. So that's a bit of a difference. Uh, the charging port is located right on the front nose of the car. So you tap on the MG badge and that part of the grill just slides up and there the, the charging port is right below it. It's actually compatible with the Tesla charger uh, as and is also compatible with the Model 3 charger, the Tesla Model 3 charger, which is actually slightly longer. Same top portion, but there's also a secondary portion there as well. So um, 
no problem getting this charged, although I'd recommend if people were to buy this car, make sure they've got a charging setup at home. It's what it's the sort of situation where it'll charge if you just plug it in with the with the car the cord the adapter uh, into your normal power point. If you've got three phase power, it'll probably take a few hours. So it's an overnight thing. It's not like you're gonna it's not like a supercharger, you're gonna charge it up in twenty minutes like you can with a Tesla. Um, it, it's gonna be an overnight job. So uh, if you've got somewhere to charge it up rather than relying on the the charging network which is growing you can uh, you can still get around and and that range of of 263 kilometers i think it's pretty impressive if if you do a lot of city driving that's fine i did all my driving in the city and i only had to charge it once which was was pretty good um the the whole inside the car i've got to say really nicely finished the screen the touch screen offers both apple carplay and Android Auto, and I used both. I used both Android Auto, which was pretty cool, and CarPlay. So all the apps that you need are right there at your fingertips. It's a nice touch screen, very responsive. Um, it, it does have, though, uh, I was initially looking for the gear changer. It has a rotary gear selector. So it's like a little wheel that you, you can go into drive, neutral, and, and reverse, and then you press the button on top to go back into park. It's got electric park brake. It also has two regenerative brake so uh, like the Tesla, once you slow, once you take your foot off the accelerator, it puts the motors in reverse. So you feel the car slow down a little bit. You've got three different modes, light, moderate, and heavy. I put it into heavy because it's what I'm used to with the Tesla. So you feel it slowing down quite quickly. And that that action is actually the motors going into reverse and then creating power to go back in the battery. So um, that, that helps keep your battery level up. There's also three driving modes, eco, normal, and sport. I had it in, in I tried all three. Uh, sport's a little bit zippier, as you'd imagine, but not too bad. There's also a sunroof as well, panoramic sunroof that goes the, the from the from the driver's seat all the way back to the passenger seats. So you get a nice view out of the sunroof. Uh, it's got also sat-nav, of course, synthetic leather upholstery with French double stitching. It looks really nice. It is, as I said, really nicely finished uh, and also has all the, the driver safety technologies you'd expect, including intelligent cruise assist, adaptive cruise control, lane departure warning, forward collision warning, and all of those as well. Uh, the the colour that I had is clipper blue. It looks like a light blue colour, but there's also diamond red, regal blue, Dover white, and pebble black. The MG ZS EV forty three thousand nine 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 ninety drive away. I think finally an electric car that drives really well, performs really well, is pretty economical when it comes to the battery, offers a decent range and also now at an affordable price that I think is worthy of consideration. The petrol version of this car is I think more than $10,000 cheaper. So um, the electric still comes at a premium, but at this price, not as much of a premium. Definitely worth a look. The MG ZS EV, if you want to read our complete review, check it out, techguide.com.au. Now, you also remember we were talking about 5G at the top of the show, Telstra and Optus battling it out. Well, we are talking about more 5G, and in this instance, we're talking about a phone from Realme. This is the uh, a sub-brand of Oppo, Realme, been around for a couple of years, and they've just released the Realme 7, which is a 5G device, 5G smartphone, 
priced at four hundred and ninety nine bucks. Five G under five hundred dollars. They've done it. So Realme has broken the five hundred dollar barrier. I think there's one other. I think there's a Motorola has a phone that's under five hundred that's also five G. And again, as I mentioned earlier in the show, expect phones five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred dollars and above from now on to be five G. I think that's a given. It's like when you go buy a TV, you cannot buy a you cannot not buy a four K TV. It's four K now. That's what phones are going to be. So above this price range and higher, it's going to be a 5G phone. Accept it. It's here. This is it. But at this price, 499 is very impressive, not only because it's a 5G phone, but it also has a 120 hertz ultra smooth display. And this is a feature that the Galaxy S21 has got, the, the flagship phone. Not even the iPhone has 120 hertz refresh rate on their displays. On top of that, 30 watt fast charging. So that means that when you need to charge this phone from zero to fully charged, you can do it in just 65 minutes. So uh, that's pretty cool. Or you get to 60% charge in just 30 minutes. So that's fast charging. That's pretty cool. So if you need to go out again during the night or whatever, you might have forgotten to charge your phone overnight, pop it on the charge. Half an hour later, you got 60% of the charge. If you've got 65 minutes to spare, you can fully charge the device as well. And no worries about running out of power. 5,000 milliamp hour battery. That's that's kind of a two-day battery life right there. And of course, it does have a decent quad system camera, 48 megapixel ultra high resolution lens, 8 megapixel wide angle, a macro lens and a 2 megapixel black and white portrait lens. Um, also has super nightscape mode, so you can give astrophotography a try. I will talk in the coming weeks of how I've taken up astrophotography as one of my hobbies. Uh, I will be talking more about that on a future show. But the Realme 7, you can pre-order it now. I think it's available this week, so I think it's available from February 11. Uh, you'll be able to get it in two colours, mist blue and flash silver. You'll be able to get it from JB Hi-Fi, Officeworks, Bing Lee, Mobile City, 5G World, Amazon, Kogan, eBay, catch.com.au, and The Good Guys. And the first 4,000 customers who purchase the Realme 7, the uh, Realme 7 5G, will also receive a bonus Realme Buds Q earphones valued at 79 bucks. Realme 499 for their 5G, their latest 5G device. So, like as I said, 5G is here. Like it or not, we are 5G. It's getting bigger, wider, and faster, and more companies like this, uh, 5G is going to be available. It won't be long before you'll see a, a 299 phone with 5G. I'd say my prediction is before the end of the year, you'll see a sub $400 phone and then a sub $300 5G phone. It's just the way things are moving. You want to check it out, the Realme 7 5G. If you want to take a closer look at the device, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Well, if you love the great outdoors, and who doesn't, you want, you'd want to have your music with you, so you need a good Bluetooth speaker. But also, too, you want a place to put your stuff, your phone, your wallet, your keys, all those little small items. So whether you're down the beach for a swim or out camping or travelling, whatever you happen to be doing, you want a secure spot to have those as well. Well, the Eco X gear has come up with the Eco Extreme 2, 
which is not only a Bluetooth speaker, but also a place to put your stuff. So it's uh, you see, from the front, you see the grill and all the buttons and controls. And then on the side are these large clips that open up to reveal this, this little space inside to be able to put your sunnies and your phone and your keys and your wallet and allows you to lock it back up again. And even inside that little section, that little compartment, is the charging ports and other, other switches as well. But from the outside, of course, you can control all your music. Uh, you can turn it on, off and on. You've got your volume controls. You can even, it's a hands-free speakerphone as well. So if you're receiving calls, and of course, it's waterproof, IP67, fully waterproof. You can even drop this in water and it's fine. All your stuff inside, of course, is going to be safe because it's waterproof. And it will float even. If you drop this in a pool or in the ocean, it's going to float. So uh, if it does go in the water, no problems, no worries about this sinking to the bottom. It's just going to float on top until you're ready to pluck it out again. The Eco Extreme speaker has 15-watt full-range amplifier on board as well. There's a rechargeable battery that will run for up to 15 hours on a full charge. That's a, that's a pretty long, uh, that's a long trip. 15 hours, that's a whole day you can be listening to your music or all night if you're a night person it's also got eco talk technology so you can talk to the speaker so you can access siri or google assistant i mentioned already it's already a speakerphone so you can get hands-free calling and the outside really large easy access buttons so easily control your music without even having to touch the paired bluetooth device so you control volume skip songs answer the phone all those things and uh, the price uh, the eco extreme 2 is available now priced at $129.95. If you like getting out and about, you like hearing your music, you want to store your stuff, everything is on board here. The Eco X Gear Eco Extreme 2 is available now, priced at $129.95. you want to read our story, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. There's been a rapid increase in cybercrime with constant data breaches, online scams and ransomware, just to name a few. Norton's all-in-one cyber safety solution, Norton 360 Premium, now comes with dark web monitoring powered by LifeLock, which helps notify you if your personal information is discovered on the dark web. It also includes device security and secure VPN with bank-grade encryption to help keep you private, online, plus a password manager, PC safe cam, and more. With Norton's award-winning security and globally trusted protection across 50 million customers, rest assured Norton 360 Premium with dark web monitoring is the all-in-one protection for your devices and data. Norton 360 Premium is available now at leading retailers. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk brought to you by our good mates at Belkin. If you're after a speaker, a wireless charger, some cables, a battery, belkin.com forward slash au is the place to go. Now, we've received a couple of questions. I think customers uh, who want to improve the sound on their TVs, uh, and they say, look, I've connected it. It's not really loud enough. It's not sounding very well. I think the one thing that they don't realise is there is a port on their television that's designed to have an audio return channel. In fact, it says it on the port, and it's short for audio return channel. That is short for 
ARC, or Audio Return Channel. ARC is short for Audio Return Channel. So that's the port that you need to look for. So if you're connecting a soundbar to your TV, HDMI into your TV, into your soundbar, I should say, and into the HDMI port on the TV, the ARC port, and it's marked, every TV has it, it's either ARC or EARC, and that will then allow that pass-through, will also allow you to control the soundbar with your remote, the TV's remote control. And the other thing too, I think the mistake also people make is that you also need to go into the settings of the TV and specify the audio output. So if you've connected the, the soundbar, you then have to tell the TV you don't want to use the internal speakers, you want to use the connected soundbar. And if it's connected, it'll normally come up in that menu of choices. Uh, so that's that's one way of making sure the soundbar is connected properly, uh, working properly, and sounding properly. You want to be able to hear it, of course. Uh, I think that could be the reason why they, they the, the reader who contacted me, I think they didn't select it as their audio output. They said it was sounding not as loud as it should be. Uh, and then I think that little easy adjustment, uh, adjusting in the settings, will solve that issue. Uh, the other question I get a fair bit too is people sometimes have problems connecting their phone or a phone to their car. And a lot of people, they just, they rather than that they turn on the phone, they go to the settings, go to Bluetooth and search for the car. Uh, I think it needs to be done the other way. You need to the car to search for the phone. So when in the settings of your vehicle, you then search for the phone, it'll do the search for the phone and then look in your Bluetooth settings on your, on your phone and then just get ready to accept the pairing. So what happens, the car looks for the phone, it does a scan, looks for the phone and then what it does once it's found your phone, a little number will pop up. So it'll say, do you want to, the car's requested a pairing and there's normally like a six digit number and the numbers on your car screen as well as on your phone screen, make sure they match up, hit yes, you want to pair. And then from that point, you can decide whether you want to share your contacts, your call history and all those sorts of things. So let the car do the search, but make sure your phone is discoverable. That's the key to making that solid connection. And that's full time for this week. That is our show. Everything we've spoken about on the show, you'll be able to read at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you. Email us, info at techguide.com.au or click on the Ask Stephen icon on the right-hand side of the site and that will come through to me and you could be on the Tech Guide help desk as well. Uh, I want to give you also a special shout-out to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then... Stay safe and stay connected.